0: Hey there everyone. After a short break, we are back this time with episode 14 and we're going to take a little historical detour. We're going to talk about one of the more complicated family relationships in history and today introduce you to a man named William Patrick Stewart. Now, everybody has, you know, a complicated uncle at some point in their family, right? Everybody has that one uncle that has a different story or is just the the black sheep of the family or the embarrassing drunk at Thanksgiving. There's always that one story. But William Patrick Stewart had a really interesting uncle. Let's, let's give you a little background first. Uh, this particular guy was born in 1911 in Liverpool, England. And his dad was named Alois. They, they lived a little place up in Liverpool for quite a while, and, and he was raised there for the most part. But at one point, uh, his father and mother divorced, and his father moved back to his home country, which at that time was Germany. And so William Patrick uh, decided that, you know, at some point I need to visit my, my dad in Germany and just kind of, you know, meet the relatives, figure out how things are going on. And so he goes back there in the 19, early 1930s um, where he asks his uncle if he can get a, uh, a good job because his uncle was kind of connected at the time. That is because his uncle was named Adolf Hitler. Uh, yeah, wait a minute. Okay, so William Patrick Stewart's last name was actually Hitler. William Patrick Stewart Hitler is his name. And his dad, Alois Hitler Jr., is Adolf Hitler's half-brother. Complicated family relationships, as I was saying. So, uh, he decides to go back to Germany, and uh, his uncle, Adolf Hitler, does actually get him a job. Gets him a job in a bank called the Reichs Credit Bank for a while, and later he's going to sell Opel cars as a car salesman. But this really wasn't what he figured. You know, if I'm, if I'm Hitler's nephew, shouldn't I be getting a better job than this? So then figure this out. <laughs> William Patrick Stewart Hitler decides he's going to blackmail Adolf Hitler for a better job. Let that one sink in for a second. Knowing who Hitler is and what he's going to do, you're going to attempt to blackmail your uncle into giving me a better job. Now, blackmail. What possibly could Adolf Hitler have that uh, his nephew or half-nephew could use as blackmail? Well, there's quite a bit. For one thing, there's a lot of embarrassing family stories. Adolf Hitler only had two great love affairs in his entire life. One of them, everybody knows about. That's with Eva Braun, who uh, married him the day before they both committed suicide in the bunker. And the other one was with a woman named Geli Rabal. And Geli Rabaul, it just so turns out, was Adolf Hitler's first cousin. Speaking of complicated family relationships. Now, she wasn't so much a fan of the relationship, and she ended up taking her own life at some point. And so that was an embarrassing story that Hitler just wished nobody had ever heard of before. And there was more than that. Hitler's grandfather, on one side of his family, his parentage was a little bit uh, little, little concerning, Uh, Because it turns out that his paternal grandfather probably had one Jewish parent. Which means that by his own legal definition, Adolf Hitler was most likely one-quarter Jewish and should have been sent to the concentration camps, along with everyone else he did. So, of course, he wanted that to stay quiet. So it's not that he didn't have good stories, it's just that you're blackmailing Adolf Hitler. So Hitler wasn't really that interested in giving him a better job. And he said, I'll tell you what, I'll give you a job if you renounce your British citizenship. Now, if he did that, he's going to be trapped in Germany with nowhere to go. So he's suspicious of this and he bails like a smart guy. He gets on the next boat, skedaddles out of there back to England, and writes a nice little article for Look Magazine in 1938 called Why I Hate My Uncle. (laughs) I can't make this up. I cannot make this up. So the war starts the year after that, of course, and now what's he going to do? He can't go back to Germany, of course, because he's a wanted man. He also uh, has a last name for Hitler, so what's he supposed to do? And so he manages to arrange to come to the United States and go on a speaking tour against Adolf Hitler. He goes there with his mom, and they stay in the U.S. after that. During the whole war, he works a couple of odd jobs and those kinds of things, but he's trying to keep a very low profile and not remind people that he's actually Hitler's half-nephew. In 1944, he gets drafted into the U.S. Navy as a medical corpsman and serves with you know uh, with distinction, or with at least honorably, for three years until 1947. And uh, during that time uh, on board his ship, he was wounded once and received the Purple Heart. Now... He, uh, for the rest of his life, he's going to live in the United States. And he tried to just kind of play down uh, anything that might have you know, given away the idea that he uh, was related to Adolf Hitler, especially after the war. So he just lived in a quiet little place up in New York on Long Island, a little tiny town called Patchogue. Shout out to my brother, Phil McKenna, a friend of mine from college who was raised in Patchogue, New York and attended Blue Point High School probably at that time never knowing that right down the street, running a tiny little medical lab out of his house was Adolf Hitler's half-nephew. He dies in 1987 as a U.S. citizen and uh, never committed a crime, never did anything else after he had once tried to blackmail one of the greatest killers in the history of mankind. Now, this is the point where, as a history teacher, I say, you know, anybody out there that's teaching history that isn't making this interesting isn't Trying hard enough. There are so many thousands of these kinds of amazing stories to tell, and yet, you know, there are still some times where uh, people find themselves bored by history and the way it's told. That brings me to my second interesting person of the day, and this person was named Werner, and he was also a German with close ties to Adolf Hitler and his regime. During World War II and slightly before that, a man named Werner von Braun had joined the Nazi party because he thought it would probably be good for his career, but he also thought that was a patriotic thing to do. He had been taken in by what the Nazis were were slinging at that particular time, and Werner von Braun was not just an ordinary recruit. Werner von Braun was one of the world's foremost rocket technologists. He's going to work for the Nazi party. He's even going to join the infamous SS. And be a member of that all the way to the end of the war and work on Germany's rocket program. So you may remember if you studied World War II history that toward the end of the war in 1944 and 1945 the Nazis started launching these V1 buzz bombs and V2 rockets at London and at the Allies. And they were, they were these huge payload bombs that were, were kind of dumb bombs. They weren't guided very smartly, but, but you could launch them from German sites and from Netherlands sites, and they would land in London and do great damage, destroy whole apartment buildings. And so London was terrorized by these weapons for the better part of the last part of the war. And so Werner von Braun was, he designed those. He invented those weapons. He was in charge of the rocket program, or at least large sections of it. At the end of the war, he tries to play down his Nazi ties like most people did after they were captured, where he's like, well, I only did it for the connections, and uh, I wasn't really that into the SS, but a lot of other people that worked with him said he was more into it than you think. But the Americans didn't care about this so much because the Cold War was already starting with the Soviet Union, and he was such a brilliant rocket scientist that they wanted to overlook his Nazi past and maybe give him a route to the United States to work for us. And so he was brought to the United States under the auspices of a program called Operation Paperclip. Werner von Braun was given U.S. citizenship, good salary, and started working on the American medium and long-range missiles to use for nuclear weapons. So the first Minuteman missiles that we had contained rocket elements that had been designed and built by a former Nazi. Just no one knew that that's what had happened. Later, in the the late 50s, early 60s, he designs our first satellite and then is instrumental in building the moon rocket that's going to get us onto the moon before anybody else in 1969. A man named Werner von Braun, about as Nazi as you get, but was brought to the United States because he was a smart Nazi who could rocket pretty well and ended up building our space program rockets and also the the backbone of the nuclear arsenal of the United States at that time. Now, most Americans haven't heard of either of these two individuals, but they're just two of tens of thousands of people that lived really interesting lives and oftentimes had connections to us back here in the United States. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk next time on episode 14 about Vietnam War Part 2.